episode 272 of the Sleeper in the Bus. It is the Tuesday edition, and I am Paul Spore. Joined, as always, on Tuesdays by Eno Saris. Eno, how's your Tuesday going so far? Two, 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 Tuesday. We know it's the yard night. Where are you going to visit several September cobs? Oakland or San Francisco? Uh, I am going to Oakland, and um, it's the Angels. And too bad. Too bad. Shoemaker's pitching. I would. I, that I is exactly what I said when I looked at it because I said, "Uh oh, I do not know who I'm talking to today because." Uh, Trout's a terrible interview, and I've already tried it like eight times, and I just don't feel like doing it again. Uh, Calhoun's a pretty bad interview, and he's not doing anything that's very interesting. Uh, Pujols doesn't really talk to me, and uh, that leaves... I'm thinking maybe Haney and Tropiano. I think those guys... Haney and Tropiano? Okay. What about Hector Santiago's huge season? Anything you can glean from that, maybe? Hey man, you're stranding everybody in the world. Do you know how lucky you are? No, that's that's a terrible first question. Don't ask him that. That's a terrible. I, I, maybe I will get at that because I I distrust him so greatly, and I think his stuff is so uninteresting that it's funny too because he throws a screwball, which should be interesting, but he it's not a good pitch, and so he stopped throwing it, so he immediately became a lot less interesting. Yeah, that was that was the initial appeal for uh, for Santiago when he first came up. I don't know, maybe CJ Crone can give you something, Crone. Crone. Yeah, I think I might just uh, work on a couple survey pieces I'm working on. Um, may ask a couple of them about uh, walk-up songs and stuff like that. But um, Jared Weaver, yeah, might be, yeah, he looks very angry these days. Who's that? Jared Weaver. Yeah, he <laughs> he said the other day uh, someone hit a homer off him, uh, and he said, "Yeah, I just couldn't get my fastball in there. If you want to call it a fastball, correct." So he made, he made the joke. It was like I, 80 I like I that. Got, it was eighty, and I think I got misqualified, misclassified as a changeup. That's so funny. He he jumps on it before anybody else can. He's like, "Listen, yeah, you know, I know the joke you are going to make, but yeah, that was my fastball." Well, we are going to talk about some September call-ups. Uh, they haven't all flooded in. In fact, oddly enough, maybe someone knows where one is. They can show me where a wholesale list is. But I've I've dug around and found what I believe the notables are, and this includes some guys that are being. Uh, activated off the DL to kind of marry with the uh, with the expanded rosters. Um, and in fact, a few more have come in since you and I uh, finalized our list. So maybe I'll hit on some of those. But we're just going to dive right in. We we do have some notables already, just uh, not a a boatload of them just yet. It, it's not always on September first. It can be the next handful of days. I think throughout this week we'll see more and more guys. But uh, let's start with Javier Baez. I think that's something that folks have been waiting on just kind of, uh, you know, once it became clear, we got mid-August and he wasn't called up, uh, it was either going to take an injury or they were just going to wait till September. And they've waited till September. But Baez got a slow start to a season, had some personal tragedy with his family. I believe it was his sister. Uh, who passed away, unfortunately. So he didn't he didn't get going in the season right away, but he's played 70 games in AAA PCL for Iowa, has Baez at age 22, and he's hit 13 bombs, 17 stolen bases, 324, 385, 527, triple slash. So he's doing everything that, that you know, has been expected of him as a uber prospect, a top five guy at, at all outlets. What do you expect we might see... The second time around, obviously, the playing time could be a little sparse. I guess I'm I'm looking for more of an overarching s- scenario, though. Do you think that he ever cuts the K rate to a level where he can have anything like the batting averages that we saw? Like a 288 was his career minor league batting average right now in 1,678 plate appearances. I think people would kill for that based on his swing and miss. Is he ever going to get to a level like that, or is he going to be one of these mashers who's got that low batting average but you can get some power and speed from. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, you know, I, I, it gets complicated because Austin Jackson is coming to town too. Yes. And Austin Jackson is going to take away any opportunity there might have been. Not that Baez would necessarily play in the outfield, but, you know, uh, I, I've been yelled at for this. I think it's, it's Coughlin. Uh, yeah, Coughlin, Coughlin. And, and, and he's been playing some second base, so I see what you're saying. Baez 
goes to second base, pushes Coughlin to the outfield. Not anymore now. Now Jackson's in the outfield. So when Coughlin's not playing second, he's likely hitting the bench. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't really necessarily uh, see the playing time uh, for Baez. And, you know, I'm trying to read through the beat, the beat writers' write-ups, and none of them are saying, oh, Baez is coming into, um, you know, into a job or, you know, nobody's saying anything about how he'll be used. Um, and just, you know, between, you know, reading between the lines for me, it just says that, um, you know, some starts against lefties is probably the best we can, maybe a platoon in, um, at second base, second, uh, yeah. with, again, with Coughlin, uh, with, where he Castro actually, I, I could see it. Because Castro is still, or you, or you think Castro's a big loser here? Uh, I'm sure people, a lot of people think Castro's a big loser, but uh, not what I meant. <laughs> you think he's the the big playing time? He's been playing a lot of second lately. Um, has Castro, so now that's going to cramp his style too. Because I can't imagine Coglin just loses all of his playing time. He's having a, a a solid season. Nothing overwhelming, but the power surge has really left him, uh, you know, dominating righties. So on the front end of a, uh, of a platoon for Coughlin, he's got an 825 OPS against right-handers with, with all 15 of his homers. He's been a nightmare against lefties and only 44 plate appearances. They know not to play Chris Coughlin against lefties, a 341 OPS for him against lefties. So yeah, lefty I guess, yeah, I guess Coughlin goes back to the outfield uh, okay. for m- most of the time. And uh, it's sort of, a Coglin Jackson uh, platoon in that uh, maybe Fowler uh, goes to right against lefties, and then Jackson in center. Okay, Jackson in center. Uh, so that I think would happen in the outfield. Now you know it does make you know any uh, DH at bats that are left easier because then Schwarber can DH and uh, they have a full outfield. Let's see if they've uh, got any real fast. They you know. There's no, you know what? Castro's the guy's at risk because he's a right hander just like Baez. There's no natural platoon there. And he's been terrible. And he's been so bad that, you know, they're going to have to, I, I mean, they're, they're bringing him up for a reason, right? And for what it's worth, I, I kind of think that you know, part of Baez's problem is trying to be too patient. Like, you know, what, the overlords are watching him. Yeah, and he's, he's trying now. to show them he's patient, and and a guy like him, I almost feel like he should be swinging away so that he can make contact before the the, the at bat is over. You know what I mean? Like, if he's patient and he watches any strike go by, then you know, with his swinging strike rate, it's a strikeout. You know what I mean? Absolutely, he so, gets too deep and he can't and he can't get out of it because he doesn't. He might have as well a, just get all of his strikes in the, you know in a swinging uh, in a swinging format, but. I, you know, looking at Castro's splits, uh, he's been a little bit better in August. I don't, you know, I hate, I wouldn't personally put a lot of stock into this, but at least he's striking out half the time, so there is some sort of difference. Something is happening there for Castro in August. You know, to say that he has a 296 batting average, I think that's, um, you know, not very useful. But, you know, even with all of this good work for Castro, which includes, you know, 317 BABIP and, a change in strikeout rate and a good batting average, he's uh, 1% better than league average with the bat. So, you know, if they if they struggle to score some runs, it's easy to kind of look over at Baez and say, well, you know, maybe we should give this guy a shot and see what's going on. So what kind of league are you picking? Do you have to pick him up in almost any league in ca- just in case because he's that kind of guy who can, who can go Schwarber on the league, who can go Chris Bryant on the league, get hot and then just play his way? into substantial playing time or are you still ignoring him in like a 10 team mix until you see something well you know somebody picked him up in our 15 team tout mm-hmm. and um they're gonna have to sit they're gonna have to play him this play week. Him for the first week yeah yeah in order to even have him for the next three or four and i think that's gonna be really rough that might be a bunch of zeros so i kind of uh my eyes went up at that although it did you know in any other kind of league, I think it makes a lot more sense than 15 teams. If you can put them on your bench, then you have to put them on your bench. That's the like, thing. A lot of leagues don't have that 
uh, into the starting lineup for at least one one week one week rule. Excuse me. So yeah. if you don't have that, and you can go right to the bench with him with uh, Baez. I think that is a better option overall. Uh, I want to jump over to another guy who's who's had some buzz, and we've just been kind of waiting. Um, Hector Oliveira was was dealt in that big Atlanta Miami LA deal. He got seven games in with uh, with uh, with the Dodgers in AAA before heading over to the Braves AAA, and he got ten games in with them. We're all, all everything's a small sample for him this year. He's played at six different levels, and he's accumulated thirty-five games. So uh, we we don't have any sort of read on on Oliveira. Add it all up, it's one hundred thirty-five plate appearances of a two seventy-two, three twenty-six, three seventy-six. I put. Literally zero stock in those numbers. There's no <laughs> groove to be gotten. He's moving all over the place. Uh, that's three levels per team, by the way, that that he's been with. Rookie A and AAA with Atlanta. Rookie AA and AAA with, with the Dodgers. So he worked his way up on, on both crews. And again, what kind of what kind of rhythm can you really get into there when you're moving around? Not even just in and out of the lineup. You're moving from team to team, city to city. So not really putting any stock there. We got an idea that this guy can can do some things with the bat. We were kind of surprised that he was a centerpiece for Atlanta in that deal, in which they gave up some some pretty useful pieces. Alex Wood, Jose Peraza, you know, it's a little bit of a surprise here. But apparently Atlanta likes him. I imagine the playing time is going to be a little bit more open for for Hector Oliveira. What what is your outlook for September for the thirty year old Oliveira? <sighs> He's 30. You know what? The weirdest thing is when people are like, oh, and, you know, what are they going to do with Adonis Garcia? They're other 30-year-old, you know, they're other 30-year-old rookie. <laughs> yeah, that guy hitting bombs like every other night. I don't get it. Uh, yeah, Adonis but... Garcia has seven homers in his 35 games. I feel like it's... that 1% walk rate is going to somehow. You, you think that's going to hurt him? I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know, man. You mean that 269, two, excuse me, 260, 269 batting average OBP split? You're not buying that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, guess, I thought you were a good baseball analyst, but I guess not. Yeah, I mean, there's playing time galore here, just looking up and down their lineup. And and I know that, that Oliveira can kind of mess around at a few different positions. I don't think he's an exemplary defensive guy from what I what I recall reading. But second and third base, uh, he's played some first in, in, in his time. Obviously, first is covered with Freeman back. But Adonis Garcia at third, Jace Peterson at second. These guys are not going to be holding uh, Oliveira back, especially if they see Oliveira as a part of the the near the near term next year and beyond as they kind of rebuild. They, they seem to feel like he can be an impact player for them. So I'm not worried about the PT. I'm wondering what's going to come of that playing time. Yeah, and it's it's kind of amazing because for the Braves, you know, uh, 0 for 5 in rookie ball, so promote him. Uh, 1 for 14 in A ball, so promote him. Uh, and uh, then, you know, thoroughly uninteresting AAA work in uh, what probably amounts to about 10 games, like you said. Uh, he really hasn't done much in the Braves organization, but I, I think that, you know, they owe this guy another $50 million, and, uh, you know, he's going to get some run. I, I don't know why he wasn't up earlier. Um but uh, maybe it was a roster situation. Maybe they do actually care about Adonis Garcia. Um, yeah, that, that was it. Was curious, like what 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 are they waiting for here? Yeah, just just stick him in there. But maybe, um, maybe it was just simply for him to try to get his feet under him a little bit. Again, they're right. him around all over the place. But maybe they just wanted Oliveira to get a little bit of him and say, "Listen, we're not even going to mess with you until September. Try to." get some things worked on in these little stints here and then we'll call you up September 1st and you're going to play the whole month. I, I really think he's going to play the whole month uh, pr- primarily, you know, not, not quite full-time 30 games or whatever, but pretty close to it almost every game. I just don't really know what to expect. Uh, but at the same time, I think there's enough potential here that, again, almost almost every league format has to be taking that lottery ticket just in case he clicks, especially with the wide-open PT. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they they are playing Michael Bourne in left field. Uh, they can find Adonis Garcia some at bats if they want to. And Adonis Garcia, for what it's worth, is projected to go hit two sixty two with a two ninety one on base percentage and a three eighty eight slugging. So I don't think they're really worried about him. Yeah, I would say that Olivera plays. I have no idea what he's going to do. 
I didn't really like the signing. He's old. He has an energy problem. He may not play every day because of that. Like, you know, there have been health issues. So, you know, that may crop up right away. Uh, I do like that, you know, even though it's a small sample, like it's almost 150 plate appearances, and at least he didn't strike out in the minor leagues that much. So, you know. Yeah, making some contact. Hey, but he's something to work on. 30 freaking years old. I mean, it's like, you know, what's the. What's the uh, beer belly guy doing in our league? So yeah, what 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 is God him him trolling around rookie leagues? I feel bad for him. I mean, he's yeah. like, he could maybe legitimately uh, not 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 quite legitimately, but but it would be kind of weird. But he'd be close to being the dad of some of these guys, some of these seventeen year olds trolling in. I guess if he had a kid at thirteen, that'd be kind of weird. But you get my point. He's nearing double the age of some of these kids coming into the rookie league. He's probably like, this is crazy. Even in AAA, he's standing out a little bit at 30. So what we're going to see what he can get done. Again, I'm, I'm recommending a pickup in just about every format. I'd be careful of who I'm cutting in a 10-teamer. It would, it would really be if I had a total dead spot or some DL spot, sure, take the lottery ticket. But any other format, 12-team 12, 12 mix and beyond, I think you can find room to, t- to take the wild card just because you are looking to strike gold here. There's a, there's only one month. You're really trying to to you know get lucky. Let's let's call it what it is. You want to get lucky with somebody like this. If you go pick up Hector Oliveira and he hits 320 for the month, I don't know that that was your your tremendous scouting and that you need to uh, be talking about how amazing your move was. You got a little bit lucky but that's okay we've only got a month left you got to get out there and get lucky let's talk about a few other guys remember this guy early in the year you know was looking like holy crap rookie of the year type dalton pompey is the best player ever i think he had a hot first week and uh then it really went downhill from there for him um i feel like he had maybe a couple big games and and that was it or something there, there was a small spurt there where dalton pompey was doing some things and then no nothing Back in the minors pretty quickly. Didn't even reach 100 plate appearances before he was back in the minors. The 22-year-old went down uh, into the minors, double-A and triple-A. I think they sent him all the way back to double-A to really get his head back on straight. And then, uh, actually, it worked the other way around. He went to triple-A, couldn't get it going. Then they really had to to give him the boost by sending him to double-A where he spent – all of June and half of July, and then back up to AAA, and that second tour around AAA was was better for him. So Don Pompey, a speedster, no real punch uh, in the minors that we saw some of it in AA, but you know I'm not I'm not putting a t- ton of stock in there. He can knock a homer every once in a while. This is a speed asset. Is he going to do anything? Or is there going to be any playing time for him? Because obviously this is a contender now. This is a the um, second team that is a contending team that we're talking about these September call-ups, how much are they going to mess with this? This is a defensive replacement, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, Kevin Pillar is a decent defender, so it, it may not be a lock that that happens uh, a lot. But uh, Kevin Pillar is also a righty, so, um, you know, there may be some tough righties where they decide to go with Pompey, who's a switch hitter. Sure. Uh, you know, one of the nice things that did happen was, um, and you'd expect it to happen, but at least it did happen, is that he improved his strikeout rates at double and triple A, uh, you know, considering these were second times there. Uh, but, you know, saying it's the second time, you know, the first time through, he only had 127 plate appearances at double A and 56 at triple A, and that was last year. So uh, it's not like he'd had a ton of seasoning. And I think this might have been good for him in terms of contact rate. I think the one big surprise that I saw is that he's one of those guys that struck out like 17, 18% of the time in the minor leagues and then got up to the majors and was, you know, striking out a quarter of the time. And it was overmatched so hard. Yeah. I I think that could that that could uh that could improve. I mean, he just hasn't shown that kind of strikeout rate in the minors. He's shown better patience in the minors. Uh, he's shown power and speed and it just seems like it, it would be kind of weird for a guy like that to come up and whiff at 15 to 16% of the pitches he sees. So maybe he was trying to be too patient. And, you know, when a rookie comes up, he mostly gets pounded in the zone until you can show you can do something about it. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I might actually counsel a, a, a rookie to kind of get in there and swing the bat. And, uh, and then work on your, your your patience, perhaps. Yeah, because you know patience is really just a relative term, and, and it's a, it's about it's not only about walking; it's about finding the pitch to hit. And if they're throwing you more in the zone, then uh, you should take advantage of it. Though, 
now that I'm looking at it, uh, it's pretty much league average zone rates. But, um, you know, there's still something to be said for, you know, going out there and, and, and doing something with your with your opportunity rather well, we, than we um, see that sometimes with these with these guys who end up being flashes in the pan but they're getting pitches and they've got some 400 you know 400 babip and, and you know two percent walk rate. i'm thinking of like a joey butler you know he was just swinging because they were pitching him and obviously they adjusted he couldn't adjust back and and now now joey butler's back to joey butler um, right but yeah, I, I think that this that does more hold. the opposite problem because you know no matter what his zone rates are, um, his his swing rates are are you know kind of low for a rookie. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, <laughs> the swing rates are still above average. He's a very interesting guy. I don't. Uh, I I you know he was kind of a helium guy too, like where he Definitely wasn't really a prospect, and then and then all of a sudden he was. Yeah, he blasted he blasted up the lists for sure, and then used a big spring training to to kind of c- kind of boost up even further. By the way, Oliveira is in the starting lineup Tuesday, so nice. uh, that was a, a yeah. I watched I, I watch against a right-hander for for uh, for Pompey. Uh, yeah, for Pompey. See if he gets in against a right-hander. Okay. Uh, that's the that's his best chance for some playing time. Yeah, I, again, not someone I'm running out to get right now. I like him more long term. You know, maybe maybe even next year, uh, but 2017, something like that. I think there's a lot of talent here. Just it might just take a little bit longer to, to manifest, which I know is the rarity these days with rookies. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I, overall, historically, it's still the norm. So nothing to freak out there. Brandon Drury was called up for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and he's another one of these guys who doesn't really have a set position. In fact, he's played all over the diamond uh, this year, third, second, short, uh, some first in his history, obviously not concerned with first on the particular team that he's on the diamondbacks but that the the infield there second third and short that's all wide open there's not there's not set cannot immovable pieces there aaron hills your phil phil goslin uh is batting second for them today in the in game one of the double header he's playing second base nick ahmed at short i think nick ahmed can pick it but there's no real hitting there this guy's a hitter Brandon Drury, Drury's a hitter. I know there was some uh, love on him in the preseason of, hey, is it going to be Drury or Jake Lamb? Jake Lamb ended up kind of emerging there. And I'm wondering uh, – so I think Hill was uh, recently nicked up. Was it Hill or Lamb? I can't remember. I feel like one of them was recently nicked up, uh, which could open some some playing time. But again, I think there's playing time to be had here if he can prove himself because Phil Gosselin – not doing anything for me. Nick Ahmed, not doing anything for me. I know Yasmani Tomas uh, and Jake Lamb both play some third, but neither is set in stone over there. What do you see out of Brandon Drury, a 22-year-old who spent his season in double and triple A, almost even splits there in terms of playing time, actually was markedly worse in, in double A, 676 OPS, and then an 842 in triple A. That could be Reno in the PCL. Uh, playing playing some effect there. Although last year in Double A he was much better, 8.21 OPS in about half the playing time. So where are we on Brandon Drury, a, a middle infielder with no real set position for the Diamondbacks? You know, I I I actually think that his bat has the potential to be better than any of the guys they've got. I mean, Aaron Hill, uh, he's the guy who's hurt. He's got uh, some sort of hand issue. Okay, yeah, uh, I knew that someone was nicked. And uh, and really. He just hasn't shown that that power that made him that made him so exciting back in the day. And without the power, uh, you know, the he's also a fly ball hitter, and it's it kind of oscillates from year to year. Um, and right now, he's a little bit more ground ball style. But at the same time, you know, his his batting average on balls in play for his career is two eighty eight. So he's that's that's you know almost six thousand plate appearances that he spent. You know, doing something that's not right, and um, you know, so if you take that bad batting average on balls in play, which usually has something to do with you know having a crazy uppercut, right? You know, fly ball swing, uh, and if you take that and you take his declining power, it's just it's it's just really a mess, all of it. And uh, it's been too long now for me to continue to think that this 33-year-old Aaron Hill is going to turn it around. So I. I think they're coming to the end of whatever contract they signed with him, uh, at least enough to the end where they can. Um, One more they, year at 12 mil, har- yeah. hardly an albatross. 
Right. So I mean that that can either that can turn him either into their backup or even a non you know they can just release him. Um, you know that can happen if Drury plays well. Lamb, you know, he, I think he's done pretty well. And yeah, Lamb's he's not, done all right. He's, he's the one who's sitting on as well with um, Drury playing today. Uh, Lamb's a lefty, and that's gets why he's exposed. not playing. It's Flande opening the doubleheader. I don't yeah. know who goes in the second game, but Lamb would probably play. So they might just have a natural platoon at third between Drury and Lamb for the rest of the year, which wouldn't uh, do too much for Drury because that's only the short end. Uh, but yeah, Lamb, Lamb's been all right, you know, kind of holding his own, treading water around there just under the uh, the average mark when you're looking at the the plus metrics, OPS plus, weighted, run, uh, weighted runs created plus, things like that for Lamb. Do you think that Drury and Lamb – are similar in their statistical profile at all? No, I think the drill will make a little more contact and okay. uh, have to see a little bit more about the power. Um, you know, it's a nice park. You know, and something I discovered recently uh, for my Piscotti article was that the the major league ball flies further than the minor league ball. Interesting. And uh, the uh, major and major league pitchers throw throw hard. That's something I've said before. So uh, even though bat speed is much more important than incoming pitch velocity, incoming pitch velocity does have something to do with the ex- exit velocity of a pitch. So mm-hmm. you've got uh, two factors that can be a boost to a guy as long as they hit enough fly balls and like fastballs enough. So that, sure. that'll be the question for Drury is is what he does with that. Um, and you know that Arizona is one of the better parks. Uh, you know, Chris Owings, the, the he told me that he changed his swing because his shoulder hurt, and it hasn't been good. The dude can't stay healthy. I'm, I I've been kind of on his upside train for a while. It's been a nightmare of a season. 451 plate appearances for Owings, just a 607 OPS. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, tons of strikeouts. A uh, little bit of fantasy value by having 14 stolen bases uh, at shortstop. And again, only because shortstop's so brutal. But uh, even then, I don't think that he rates very. I mean, the 238 kind of cancels it out at some point. So it, it's and been they, a nightmare you know, season. Yeah, I think I think it's mostly a lost season. And what I would say, if I was Arizona next year, I'd I'd put um, Ahmed and Owings into a either a partnership or a competition, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, the winner plays shortstop. The, the loser goes to the minor leagues and waits for the you know winner to, to expose himself, maybe. Um, I'm fine with Drury being in a platoon at, in, um, at, at third base, but that means he probably needs to be able to play somewhere else. So I think Drury becomes my, you know, sometimes third baseman, sometimes second baseman. Um, An occasional yeah. shortstop. I mean, he's played some short. I don't know how good he is there. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. So, But I think what you would start is you'd keep Hill on the opening day roster to see if he's going to be at all an asset for you, right? Mm-hmm. And you make Drury the kind of uh, second base, third baseman guy um, who, who goes in between the two. And you wait for somebody to hit their way out of the platoon. And uh, Drury can easily take that second base spot. Um, Lamb is not even that much of a, a problem if, if he takes the third base spot. And then you wait for Owings to get right and hope, you know, for me, I'd hope that it was Lamb, Owings, Drury uh, across the infield. And um, I think that you're going to work towards that. That could uh, be nice. But, and Owings is still just 23. He's been around for a while now, uh, played in you know, significant portions of the last two seasons and a little bit in 2013. So maybe feels older to some folks because um, he was a prospect before that as well, but just 23 years old. So n- not all hope is lost there, especially if this dead season is really just an injury alteration that has kind of sapped his ability to do anything with the bat. So I, I agree with you there um, in terms of that would be ideal if they could get a Lamb, Drury, Owings infield a lot of bat uh, in, in those three there with Goldschmidt, Castillo, Peralta, Pollock, and Yasmani Tomas. Then you're talking about a team there. They can get a frontline pitcher 
or if, or if Corbin goes back to being the frontliner next year, then you're starting your rotation with him. All of a sudden, this team, you know, they're they're already kind of kicking around this year, doing some decent things, at least playing spoiler. Uh, next year could be something more substantial. We'll see. Kenny's Vargas was another top uh, helium guy in the in the spring training this year. Someone who was getting a lot of hype. He had a nice call up last year. Uh, 234 plate appearances, nine bombs, 274 average, a 115 OPS plus. Generated a lot of excitement, and uh, it did not pan out. He got 166 plate appearances this year for the Twins. Only five homers, only a 642 OPS. And so he had to get sent down. So he went down um, two 100% even splits in double and triple A, 151 plate appearances of both, actually 122 at-bats at, at both, and 20 runs at both, 26 walks at both. He really tried to make these as identical as he could. <laughs> uh, seven, home, seven and six home runs, 24 and 22 RBI. So he couldn't quite keep it going, 35 and 34 hits. But either way, uh, two stints or, or a stint in two different minor leagues there started to show more of the Vargas that, that we were used to. Now the double A, it, it's hard to get too geeked about that because um, it was, you know, he's 24 now. So the way his year has gone was up until 517, May 17th, down to triple A, back up for a month, uh, basically of June, did not get anything going that second time around then to double a and then back to triple a uh more recently for the rest of august from 8 11 to 8 31 there so the last three weeks have been in triple a so it's been kind of an interesting season and now he's going to finish it with with the twins who again are fighting uh very much oddly enough for a playoff spot still i i, I keep burying them and they keep saying nope uh we're not we're not going away so the zombie twins keep going Kenny's Vargas ready to contribute for them like he did last year, or, or what are we dealing with here? And where's the playing time going to come? The only thing I can say that's nice about Kenny Vargas right now is that he obviously went down there with a plan to walk more. I mean, I can't, I can't think of any other reason why he would almost double his previous walk rate in the minor leagues. So, um, you know, he got up there. He, he wanted to show the big club that he was patient because really – you know, in the bigs, he's been a nose to toes guy, and mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's where you know we, we were talking about earlier. He was the nose to toes, swing at everything guy, and um, you know it was it worked out well at first, um, and uh, then they started uh, you know throwing him. Uh, gosh, man, nobody's following my narrative today. They started throwing <laughs> more fastballs. <laughs> Jesus, why would they do that? Because well, you know, whatever. I can't. I can't find. Maybe they would hit the edge more. Whatever. They, they, they hit this. They were in the zone like a tiny bit less. It looks like uh, against him. But he just fell apart, and he just was swinging at the wrong pitches for some reason, and um, couldn't show that power, and and just struck out and didn't walk. So now I think, you know, he went down to try to show them that he can have some patience. I just don't know that there's a playing time for him. Uh, and that's you know it's I hate to keep saying that for some of these guys, but no, it's the truth. That's uh, why, that's why I said, where's the playing time going to come from? Sano has DH on lock. Uh, yeah. What are you really going to do there? What move First in the phase. third every once in a while? You know, Mauer is probably not going anywhere. I, I just don't know where there's going to be any sort of regular playing time. Kenny Vargas is now a name, and so people are going to be interested. I think he's I probably. Doubt- gonna- I, I mean, think he'll get picked up too much is what is my main point. Is I think people will see the name, yeah. be like, oh, I remember that name from spring, and, and maybe he's ready to do something now, and he'll get he's too on picked my, up. He's on my labor bench, and you know, if I'm, I guess this, this week I'll be forced to make a decision on him, and I'll, uh, I think I'll probably just drop him because you know, I don't think that he rates better than anybody else I've got in there, and I don't have a great, great, uh, great line. So I don't have my That's a so that, that yeah, tells so folks I, what I they need bother. to know. Eddie Rosario, you know, he has flaws, but he's playing okay now, and it's be, he can actually play the outfield at least. He's a former second baseman with a little bit of athleticism. Kane Sparks is a big dude that should be playing first or DH. So, yep. uh, yeah, so that, that's enough of that, I, I think, really. But, um, you know, there's some pitchers that are coming up, and I did just find a uh, a, a more comprehensive list. Uh, a list, list? Okay, well, I, let's start with the two we got here, and then if you got some others to add. That would be great. Let's start with Zach Davies real fast uh, for Milwaukee. was part of that 
um, Houston trade, I believe. He, he, he came in over uh, in the Carlos Gomez, big, big old deal with them, right? Do I have, no, no, he's from Baltimore. Who, who, what was the Baltimore-Milwaukee trade? Oh, per, uh, para, para. Ah, uh, okay. trade. My my fault there. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. dude, I mean, dude throws eighty eight, and though there's some nice movement uh, on the four seam, the uh, change looks. Uh, I guess the change is ten miles an hour slower, but it looks about the same as his four seam. So, uh, got a big curve, but it's seventy two miles an hour. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Two percent whiffs on the fa- on the four seam so far. That seems like a bad sign. It's not and, not overpowering, not big either. Um, uh, you know, c- kind of a kind of a small six, six feet, one sixty. Not probably not gonna be a lot here. I, I bring him up because he's throwing Wednesday. He's he's starting for them Wednesday. Yeah. So uh, nothing to see here right now. Maybe if he does something, and I'll only appeal at max. Is that what you're thinking? I'd want to see him start uh, Wednesday and get like. 15 ground balls against one fly ball. Something like that. That would really jump off. Yeah. I, that would that would explain a little bit better what's going on with him for me because the strikeout rates are not exciting. The walk rates are not exciting. Um, and yet the ERAs were okay. So I guess he's a big ground ball guy. Uh, maybe that works in, 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 uh, in Milwaukee. And maybe he won't have the, you know, one point uh, – two homers per nine type projection that he has. Um, and that would that would change a little bit about uh, how exciting he is. But I'm not excited about him. And uh, I think for the most part, the pitchers that you should be excited about have, have come up already. And, yeah, uh, outside of Barrios, uh, excuse me, Jose Barrios from Minnesota. Who, who didn't like been, come up. I still not up. It was a healthy scratch from the thing. I was like, sure, he's coming up, and he didn't come up. So Still not. Here, here's uh, the list I have. Uh, here's the list I have. These are top 30 prospects, other notables, uh, okay. according to MLB.com, MILB.com. Oh, I guess I should have gone there. The uh, We've got we got most of the, the hitters. Uh, Mikey Matuk is, is up with the Rays, too. But okay. Matuk and Schaefer and Butler, I don't know how it's, what's going to happen there. Um, I don't either. And it's, I kind of throw my hands up. Ref Snyder's back up, but it, the Yankees second baseman, but uh, they seem to have they, – they don't have a plan there, it seems. Uh, you know, sure so they do. The Stephen pitches, Drew. Yeah, right. Yeah, Stephen <laughs> Drew. Stephen Drew. Uh, there's Davies. There are better arms that are coming up than Davies for sure. Uh, Frankie Montas uh, with the Chicago oh, White okay. Sox. That was one of the – yeah, that was one of the new ones that I saw before, right when we started recording. And then uh, Miguel Almonte, I bet you're going to mention as well. Yeah, and Miguel Castro. Oh, okay, great. I didn't see Castro was back up either. Yeah, they're all going to be flooding in all day today, I bet. Yeah, and, and Manny Benuelos is up too. But, you know, um, yeah, I guess Benuelos will probably start, but we, we've seen him get exposed, really. Well, and uh, his innings limit is like, I, I don't even know if he'll start. And if he does, it might be like three, four inning outings. You and know, he just may to get walk some innings. May walk eight guys. So, um, you know, I'm not that interested. Miguel Castro, if he was starting, I'd be interested because he does have the opportunity to pair a really nice fastball with that split finger, um, and that's why they traded for him. But uh, I think I would just watch and gather info basically for Castro. And then Montas, I like him. He's got a very weird delivery. I like Montas and a lot. Saw him at people, AFL. Yeah, people say that it's an extreme over-the-top delivery, and people say that that you know it's a little bit violent and it's it headed for the bullpen. And you know, with this hundred mile an hour um, fastball at times, uh, you know that seems to be uh, where everyone's pushing him. But uh, if you see him pop up on the starts, you know, and especially if it's in like Oakland or something, uh, that might be a real sneaky DFS play. Real nice um, little uh, you know gambit there totally because agree. people will not like first time through the order people will not be able to pick him up people will not understand what he's doing so um i i think that uh, that could be a real nice september boost for somebody's rotation and, th- and they may well do that because they can be thoughtful on uh, first off there's no reason necessarily to push sale any further than you have to not that they're necessarily protecting him anymore i think they're kind of 
pulling the bubble wrap off of him more or less. But Carlos Rodon's got 113 innings. So they could go to a six-man. Uh, the rest, all their guys are veterans besides Rodon that don't really need protection. Samarja, Quintana, Danks, and Sale. But just just to have the six man would be pretty easy, just as a way of 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 keeping Rodon a little bit more rested. So they're not going anywhere, are the White Sox? So yeah, Montas could slide right in. I agree with you. He's somebody I would definitely keep an eye on as somebody to get. Uh, you know, there were also a couple Wait, trades. One more, oh, one more. I don't know. He's not necessarily a top prospect, and a lot of shines come off. But Marco Gonzalez is up. That's right, yeah. and he's going to start for uh, Carlos Martinez, who's out with a back. Yeah, so um, you know, there's there's something there, but he had you know really poor results in the minor leagues, uh, and he's kind of um, Waka esque, you know, in except for the velocity part. I mean, he's he's change up first, and he hasn't found the cutter that Waka found, you know. So he's kind of mm-hmm. looking for uh, a, another pitch. And the 84-mile-an-hour slider, he's never trusted it. And the 75-mile-an-hour curveball is, is just real soft. And so he's left with, you know, below average velocity and a plus changeup, which, you know, I, there are going to be some odd games. Like, he could throw a no-hitter. Um, but, um, you know, will he be good on, on you know, when you sum it all up? I, I don't know. I, I'd rather... I mean, would I, I still rather? Like him. It's probably the best name that we've said so far. I mean, it's, you know, if he's if he's going to get regular, uh, you know, work in terms of a redraft league, he's the most likely to be interesting. But well, um, there, there's a good chance that he will because they they also want to be thoughtful not only of you know it could be a small back thing for Martinez, and I feel like they'd say no, automatically, easy easy thing to skip you for. We're going to do it. Um, they also have to have some consideration for Waka, who's at 157 innings, and Garcia, not because of innings limits or anything, but because he's ever fragile. I think they can have some concern for him too. So sliding Gonzalez in there, they they might also be a decent candidate for a six-man rotation. Now, if Gonzalez goes in there and starts getting his face caved in, uh, I think they pull him out right away because they don't want to blow that division to the Pirates by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think that there there could be some time for Gonzalez. I wonder how much of his season is just kind of injuries uh, overall, you know, because he's struggling with home runs, something he's never struggled with before. Uh, walks, same thing. Not, we haven't really seen walks be a major issue, getting hit around a lot. I don't know that maybe a lot of the health uh, hasn't contributed to some of the uglier numbers for him. He's somebody I still have with some decently high stock going forward. We'll see what he's able to do on Tuesday with the start uh, for the Cardinals and then kind of make an assessment from there. But I agree with you. He's Of the pitchers we've mentioned, he's probably the best one with a line on getting some starts who can make an impact because we don't know what Montas is going to do yet. I'd have Montas second um, and then maybe Castro Banuelos and Davies in terms of the guys that we spoke about. Let's jump over to some uh, – the, there were three trades, and they're all small. You, you mentioned one of them. It's, this is probably the answer, but Austin Jackson to, Chicago, to the Cubs, Justin Ruggiano to the Dodgers, and De, Alejandro Deaza to the Giants. Which of those three, if any of them, have the biggest fantasy impact, and, and what is that impact that you see? Uh, we talked about Jackson a little bit. Um, Rodiano is a classic versus lefties guy, mm-hmm. um, which may factor in at center field. Um, and I think Diaz is a, a late game replacement, you know, uh, because Marlon Bird the other day, uh, played a home run, uh, played a double into a home run. And, um, <laughs> and it's the kind of, the kind of, uh, kind of guy that you might want to, you know, Get a two or three run lead and then throw Diazza in there. I I, uh, I I think you're being kind. He's one thousand percent the kind of guy that hopefully <laughs> he went. You know, he went one for three earlier and it was a home run, so he did his piece. You know, right. when you're looking at a bird line, you, you're going to probably see a lot of those one for threes, two for threes. Hopefully, which means he did his job. He contributed. He can feel good about himself. Now you're out of there from the seventh on. You're not getting that last at bat. We need some D in there. Uh, and so Diazza, Aoki. And uh, Blanco are running the outfield. But, you know, 
outside of Bird, I think Bird is probably uh, Bird and Aoki are the only ones locked in there. So there might be some center field playing time for Deaza as well. I don't think Blanco has has a a line on the uh, on the playing time necessarily as the team tries to get healthy. So I know Pence is working his way back, but I don't think it's progressing terribly well. I believe there was some news that uh, it's still kind of a slow go. So they've got injuries to cover right now. Yeah. Uh, Took 20 swings Monday off of a tee, but was still feeling pain in that oblique. So we'll see if that's going to happen. And then Pagan just hasn't been able to stay healthy all year. So who even knows there? So they, they needed somebody like Deaza who can play all, all three outfield spots. Hitting righties quite well this year, 804 OPS against right-handers. So maybe he gets the, the starting nod, and then Blanco becomes the defensive replacement um, that we're talking about for Bird. But either way, I think that the move – overall does hurt bird because he's going to lose that last at bat so from a dfs standpoint i think that's where it really affects you i mean you're probably still going to play bird for his three at bats in season longs where you have him but in dfs he loses some of that appeal because he could lose a lot of last uh last yeah. at bats it's like coglin uh losing appeal in in, in chicago bingo uh, same just, situation you know you know they're so bad against Coglin in particular, he's so bad against lefties. Is you know he's going to be switched out. Oh yeah, and, you automatically bring in a lefty reliever when he's up and to get him out of the game, no doubt. And that's and that's worse than like losing playing time on a daily basis because there's so many times when you see a platoon outfielder like that and you think, oh, this is an opportunity for me in DFS or or, or in these other things. But then you start only getting three plate appearances to everybody's four and five, and you, you realize that. Uh, there's like this hidden way that you're just you just you know that we're talking about right now that that takes it out of there. So the, the hidden downside because I downgrade almost everybody in the uh, Chicago outfield and the uh, L.A. outfield and the uh, in the in the Giants outfield because everybody Ethier uh, less of a uh, less of a great play against righties if uh, they bring in a lefty reliever in the end and they've got Reggiano on the bench. Um, you know. Not- None of the nine outfielders are uh, in those three teams to start before they got these guys is really above uh, reproach. I, I guess um, when Bryant's an outfielder, if you consider him when he's in the outfield, you know what I mean. But, yeah, but he doesn't play that often. And, that's and true. We're really talking about regular outfielders. You know, the only one that would be is Hunter Pence, and he's hurt. Yeah, and then maybe Fowler's pretty close to. Fowler's close, not but he really also touched. hurts himself often. So not only could you think of uh, platoon splits where he's better against lefties, but uh, you could think about trying to rest his legs. And you, mm-hmm. if you've got a Jackson and it's a blowout or something, then you can do something like that. So That's I think a great that, point, though. All nine of them have to take a hit. You know, I asked, I asked A.J. Hinch about managing in September, and he said it's tricky. It's got to be so said, possible. You know, not only does it seem like some teams have 50 relievers and some teams have the regular slate, but... You know how many how many players do you have at your disposal, and do, how much do you care about their um, development? You know, mm-hmm. and how much do you feel the need? Almost like in the All Star game, where like, do we need to get these guys in, or or are they fine on the bench? Absolutely. Uh, and uh, you know, it, it, with a with a contending team, any little thing, any little flaw becomes a big deal, and any little platoon issue or something, then. Uh, you know, goes with, uh, you know, oh, well, he's not that great against lefties. Pull him out. We need to win this game. You know, we need to win this game. And we just got Austin Jackson. You know what I mean? So uh, that's a contending team. And then the non-contending teams, it's not necessarily about your flaws as much as it is as well. We need to see what Drury can do. So, uh, you know, Lamb's going to sit against some righties, maybe, you know. And Aaron Hill, who you might have been, you know, plugging and playing in your AL only, or your NL only league for for some stuff, maybe he's almost sitting, but maybe not. You know, like so, it's really September is really tough, and it's, it reminds me of like the last week in fantasy basketball, where you're just trying to get to the finish line, and major league coaches are like doing everything they can to give you an aneurysm. <laughs> uh, sorry that just tickled me in in just just the right way to say that they give give you an aneurysm trying to figure it out no it's really tough and i know there's been a lot of talk about uh september and should we have the expanded uh rosters etc etc but you know obviously we've got them 
it's so difficult to kind of figure it out uh, for the managers. We don't know. You know, we've given our best guess here on, on a lot of these. I think your point, particularly for DFS, about all those nine outfielders in the three teams, the Giants, Dodgers, and Cubs, that got new outfielders, I think that's the key point there in terms of getting any of these guys. I mean, in your single leagues, because Deaza actually aren't all three crossovers. Ruggiano was in, uh, was, was in Seattle as well, was he not? So that's two from Seattle and one from uh, one from Baltimore, all coming over to the NL. So in your NL only, yeah, you're probably picking them up to fill in for for some bums that you have in your lineup. That's fine. But in mixed leagues, I don't know that I'm all yeah. that concerned with any of them. And it's got the weird thing where it it it, uh, it just hurts all the rest of your it hurts all the rest of the guys in those outfields too. So exactly, you know, and you know, in general, these you know September is uh september is you know as we wrap this up september in, in general is just a bad place you know to to go with uh to go looking for stuff because you know we, we talk about all those pitchers and you know today i had an article about um you know guys who have already been in the major leagues right mm-hmm. and i think you're going to be much better off you know looking at through those guys and, and there are some guys that aren't completely owned yet I mean, no matter how deep your league is, uh, there's something about what John Lamb is doing right now that I really like. Uh, yeah. and no, I'm uh, I, I scooped him up in a bunch of spots. I agree with you totally. T- tell me a bit about John Lamb. We can end on, on John Lamb here and, and talk a bit more about your piece because you're talking about whiff rates and scouting with, with whiff rates. And he leads off because you started with change-ups. And, and his whiff rate uh, on the change-up has been huge. Average is 13%. He's up at 25%. The one thing that Lamb is consistently doing right now is is garnering strikeouts. Now, he's had some good outings and, and a couple tough ones from an earned run standpoint. So the 524 ERA is definitely not going to jump out to you. Neither is the 143 whip. In fact, they're going to jump out to you as ugly. But a 404 BABIP and a 160, uh, 161, 1.61, I should say, homer per nine um, are really hampering him. But you move over and you look at the 30% strikeout rate and a 5% walk rate. That's a nice building block right there. Can he get you the know, other pieces in order? And he's had a lot of injury issues. And you know he's been only been healthy about a year and a half. And if you look at his strikeout rates since he's come back from the last injury, uh, they've been great. Yeah, and, John, John Lamb's been uh, really nice. And he was part of the Cueto deal. Yeah, and he's got rise on, a 90, on an average velocity fastball for a lefty. Uh, he's got rise, he's got a good changeup, and he's got an 87-mile-an-hour cutter, which I think will, you know, help neutralize lefties. Um, you know, there might be a little reverse uh, situation, but it takes the league a long time to catch up to the John Danks situation. I mean, they didn't start uh, stacking righties against John Danks, uh, John Danks until, you know, third year in the, in the, in the league. So mm-hmm. um, even if John Lamb has a little bit of an issue against lefties because his curve and cutter aren't, aren't as good as his, uh, as his changeup, at least, you know, a lefty with a rising fastball and a great uh, changeup, you know, I think he could at least be kind of a Jason Vargas type. And I think he could be better, especially since he's starting out in the National League. So um, he's going to start with a little boost. And, you know, Rizal Iglesias, if he's still out there, I, I think he's available in half your leagues. He has everything you need. And, and I just read a, a piece from Rosencrantz, Trent, Trent Rosencrantz, that says that um, – they're not necessarily going to limit his innings. They're just watching him and, and, and waiting to see some sign of fatigue. So We're going to do a full uh, – on Thursday, by the way, we're going to do a full thing about guys who are facing inning, innings limits and kind of run them down the way we are with these call-ups and say, hey, where are we on them? Here's the latest news, et cetera. So, yeah, Iglesias will be mentioned in there in more detail, but he's been out of his mind lately. 23 strikeouts in his last two outings. Three straight seven-inning gems, uh, six straight quality starts in general for for Rice Iglesias. And, yeah, just 56% owned at ESPN. I know those are shallower leagues, but what are you waiting for with this guy? This is a power pitcher who's putting up the innings, getting the strikeouts. Now, the team isn't helping him. Just All three of those seven-inning games uh, that he's logged, zero, one, and three earned runs, uh, are all losses because they've scored a total of one run for him in those three games. So can't do anything about that, but everything else has been on point for Iglesias and uh, Lamb, not, not as much quality, but the, but the base skills are saying there's some, some interesting stuff there for John Lamb. So I'm with you there. Uh, You know, I know I almost called you Jason on accident. It's not Sunday. Uh You know, I know you got to get going. Uh, One, one last thing, just because I've got to, I got to cap it off with Jake Arrieta's no hitter. He's been amazing. We've been talking about how amazing he is all year. 
But uh, you tweeted out a bit talking about because some folks asked you, you know, what what are the changes? You know, what what happens when a guy goes from one team to another as a, a busted prospect with that team to superstar with the, with the new team? And that's kind of what we've seen for Arietta. He was a very well thought of prospect when he was with Baltimore. Um, as a fifth rounder, he kind of worked his way up. I think he was a big bonus guy, though. So you know, don't always get mixed up on the uh, on the draft round and say, oh, if he's in this round, it means X, Y, and Z. I think he was paid handsomely coming out of TCU, but I might have that piece wrong. But he worked his way up. He was a top 100 prospect. He was supposed to be part of Baltimore's future, and it just didn't work. It has clicked almost instantly with Chicago in his half season in 2013 he started to show some things but then 2014 2015 we're now looking at 340 innings of a 231 ERA with nine and a half strikeouts per nice no hitter on Sunday night tell us a little bit about the evolution of Arietta as we close up here you know I've talked to him a couple times two or three times over the years and you know I've had to piece this together because he is not interested in throwing anybody under the bus He's a very nice guy, and he doesn't want to necessarily talk about, you know, why uh, they screwed him. They screwed him up in in Baltimore. But reading between the lines, there's a couple things that I've learned, which is, for one, he talks about how you know mechanics aren't a uh, aren't a uniform thing for everybody, and that really uh, pitchers should focus on just repeatability and not worry about what it looks like. So, so your, your perfect mechanics might not be my perfect mechanics because bodies are all different, body right. sizes are all different. I mean, that intuitively makes sense. Continue. And, yeah, and what you really want to do is get to the same place you know, over and over again. And so what I think is that uh, – and then another thing that you can just tell easily by looking at his, at his percentages is that he um, – uh, he doubled his slider usage uh, from back in the day. And the slider got harder and is now called a cutter by, by, uh, by you know, systems. So, um, you know, when I talk to him about it, the slider thing is a little bit more complicated because it's not just one slider. He does a slider That's and a thing. cutter. Yeah, and that, two different kind pitches. of like chops it up and has like three different breaking balls, four different breaking balls if you count the, the curve ball. So he does a lot of different things with his breaking balls. But – in general, just look at the slider velocity. He went from 85 on average to 90. So he went from, you know, a, a regular kind of normal slider to kind of the Worthen slider, the, the, the hard cutter slider hybrid thing. And he went from 60% fastballs to 50% fastballs. So, you know, he no longer looks like a nor- he no longer looks like if you imagined maybe a pitcher and you thought all pitchers had to look a certain way, he no longer looks like that. Here's a guy who throws a cutter uh, really hard and throws it a lot. And there's you know not a lot of people who've done that. And then here's a guy who has you know some interesting mechanics, but now he's found a way to repeat it. So I, I think that there's something prescriptive going on in Baltimore a little bit. I think it's hurting their pitchers because they've banned the cutter. And, um, you know, I'm reading between the lines a little bit here and saying that they seem to have a prescriptive approach to um, to mechanics as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at uh, some of the injuries that their guys have had. Look at the, the that Gossman's like looking for a breaking ball. And if he could throw Ariette, I mean, not everyone can throw Ariette's 90 mile, 90 mile an hour slider, but... Almost everybody on the Mets throws a 90-mile-an-hour slider. Imagine Gossman's on and the I Mets And I feel like right Gossman now. could. Yeah, I, I honestly feel like you're right. Not everyone can, but if you're looking at somebody who, who could, maybe it's the guy who can consistently reach upper 90s, has the arm strength, has the size. Everything is there, you would think, for Gossman to be able to throw that. What if, if, yeah, what if Gossman was on the, on the Mets right now and had a Worthen slider? So, oh, my God. Um, it, yeah, I think it would be kind of nasty. I think the I Mets think so, too. Message trying to figure that one out. Fastball, uh, slider, split finger. Yeah, yeah, that game over. Exactly. And 95, you know, 90 and 85. Yeah, I think that would be pretty hard. So uh, I think that it's it was good for him. He doesn't want to put it on the team itself. He says he was working towards a lot of the stuff himself. But if you just look at his walk totals and his slider usage and stuff, it, it, it looks like the shackles were kind of taken off of him and they were like, and I think it's very different also when you acquire a guy like that. Maybe when you when you develop a guy, you're like, oh, I really want you to do these things because I want you to be around for seven years and I want you to be awesome for us and maybe even beyond that and maybe turn into, you know, Greg Maddox, the guy that we've had forever and is associated with our with our brand. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but as soon as you acquire somebody, especially if you didn't pay a lot for them, you're kind of like, oh, you want to throw the slider 50% of the time? Shut Let's up. take a shot. No, that's yeah, a great, great point, you know. I think that that's definitely got to be in play, at least in some scenarios, if not as a kind of a universal thing. There's a lot different when you've acquired the guy, uh, kind of, like you said, maybe not on his last leg, but but almost, you know, way discounted. We're just trying to hit here Colin as opposed McHugh. to – yeah, as as opposed to we developed you, you're our baby. You have to you have to be the savior too. So we don't want right. to make any false moves. That's a genius point. I, I got to ask you, it's a half run separating the two, and there's still a month left, so things can change. But but is is Granky not the far and away front runner, or, or, or do you see? I know that uh, War has uh, Kershaw ahead and even Arietta ahead, but I look at that 161 ERA over 179 innings. I have a hard time. I know that the strikeout rates are better and the ground ball rates are better for Arietta and Kershaw, but I have a hard time not saying that Granke's been the best pitcher in the NL this year. Where, where, where do you come out on that right now with a month to go? Yeah, I think he, he's, he's going to win that. I mean, he's got that you know new changeup that's kind of you know going to be in everybody's sto- games. You know, stories about him and mm-hmm. uh, you know the Dodgers look like they're going to at least eke it out, uh, if not uh, just, you know, win it comfortably in the last couple weekends. And, um, you know, so there's no real reason to ding him other than wins. And if he just wins a couple more, you know, gets to 15, 16 wins, uh, you know, it's not, you're not going to say, oh, well, Jake Arrieta won 19 games to Granke 16. It's just not going to be enough, you know? Not enough to uh, cover a half-run difference between the two. Yeah. And like I said, there's still a month, and these one, awards— months, it's so eye popping, and and, and yeah. I don't even think Ariad is in the conversation until he gets below two, and you know he's at two eleven right now, but one hundred eighty three innings. It's going to be tough to do that. So he's having a great season. Kershaw's still having an elite season, which is crazy because of all the panic that was surrounding him earlier in the year. Uh, some of it you does, might not remember like, that. You know, some of the arguments that people had for for Kershaw in the first round and Kershaw number one. I will say that it does like when I'm looking up and down the the uh, the, the the pitching leaderboard just sorted by WAR, but you know which has its problems. But just just looking at the top pitchers, I don't see as much of a separation. I mean, Kershaw's there, Keuchel, yeah, you know, a couple few strikeouts less, but has the exact same ERA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arietta uh, has a lower ERA. Uh, Chris Archer has as many strikeouts and you know just a couple, you know, like a half half run of ERA. Uh, David Price is right there with them and almost has many strikeouts. Scherzer, who was my pick for uh, secret best p- uh, pitcher in baseball this year, right there. Even uh, with April's struggles, he or August's struggles, Scherzer's still 11, right there. Eleven strikeouts, almost right there with Kershaw. So I don't think that necessarily the separation is there. And I agree. I the agree. N- the names are still so different for me. I mean, did people think that Keiko was going to be a top five pitcher this year? Did people think Chris Archer was going to be a top five pitcher this year? Did, did everyone think Arietta was going to repeat? And that's no. There was it was split camps. There were people who did, uh, and there were people who didn't. No, I, I agree with you. And I was an advocate of the Kershaw early plan in the third with the third pick or the fifth pick, uh, those sorts of things. But the separation that you're talking about isn't there. It's not a Kershaw thing. He's held up his end in that he's been elite it's just that the gap's been closed and so why do you you, you don't have to take him there you just don't um uh, yeah, and my and my in my group the the group that i that you know i felt comfortable uh picking after the first 12 were off the board i think they did pretty good too garrett cole carlos carrasco jacob de grom uh you know even johnny lester johnny cueto uh shelby miller i mean matt harvey those guys yeah. are, all have sub three ERAs for the most part, and in almost a strikeout per inning. So uh, I don't think that. Uh, not, I don't think that. I think the whole you could. I think you could just take the steroid era, subtract like a run and a half off of all those guys' ERAs, and you're looking at something very similar. I think. I, think I don't think that the game has fundamentally changed. No, no, and and. Again, he just doesn't. Kershaw just doesn't have the lead. He might be a late first rounder next year with some of these other guys, uh, mm-hmm. but there, but there's more options and it's going to be more varied. There's going to be people who take Max first. There's people going to take Sale first among pitchers. Kershaw's still going to go first among pick, pitchers very often, but I don't think it's going to be the slam dunk. He's the number yeah, one pitcher if, off the board. If you open up the second round as a possibility, where now I can get a first round bat and get a pitcher that's in that top area, that top group, you know, if I could get, um, 
you know, Nolan Arenado, I'm just, or Chris Bryant, Nolan Arenado, and Arenado's a first rounder. Yeah, okay. Let me if I can get Nolan Arenado and Max Scherzer, or I have to get Clayton Kershaw and uh, you know, I don't know, no, a second Cruz. Rounder. I don't know, Cruz yeah. Rizzo. No, Rizzo's gonna be in the first round again. Machado probably didn't get to the first round. I don't think. What about that? It, I, I don't yeah, know that well, Machado's quite first it's, round. It's, so what do you like, Arenado? Did you say Arenado? I mean, I think it's, I think the easy one to do is with is Chris Bryant. That's fair. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're pretty sure Chris Bryant's not a first rounder yet. So yeah, uh, that actually makes it sound like I don't know. Maybe I'd take Kershaw and Bryant, but um, uh, at least I, 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 it's not so much. If you if you're taking Kershaw first, I'm not sure you get Bryant last in the second round. That's a good point too. And 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 when when would you take Kershaw there too? Is also a question. Here's the thing: a lot of hitters have emerged too to fatten up the first and second rounds. So you might actually have a, a case to say I get two good batters and then I can still get uh, an ace level arm too. And it. Right. I mean, is Arietta a slam? If he wins the Cy Young, maybe. But is he a slam dunk? third round a uh, second rounder maybe he dips into the third and so you've got your yeah. two hitters and then you're getting arietta so there are a lot of questions there we'll, we'll discuss the uh, the awards more as the month as, as the month gets gets on some more you got to get to the yard i gotta go 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 right now we will talk on thursday until then take care bye bye